Welcome to studentofthebible.com. I'm your host, Renee, and I'm a Bible student. I'm glad you are, too. Thank you so much for joining. Pray for discernment and ask God to show you how you can share this information with others and be a blessing. Welcome to my podcast series on the book of Ruth. Ruth is found in the Old Testament, right after the book of Judges and directly before 1 Samuel. It's a super small book of only four chapters, so it's easy to miss, but it's extremely important. And it even plays into the eventual birth of Jesus. We don't know who the author is, but it's believed to have been written sometime after the conclusion of what we call the time of Judges. So that would mean it was probably written after 1050 BC. The events of the story take place during the latter part of the time of Judges, we think maybe around 1060 BC. 1375 to 1050 BC is a time period in the Bible referred to as the time of Judges. Now, this is a period of time that was very dark for the people of Israel because Israel is literally a rudderless nation where everyone seems to be living to please themselves and not God. During this time, Israel was ruled by what we might call an honor system, where a person was appointed as a judge by popular consent, and he or she, because we did have a female judge during this time, that was Deborah, they would decide private and public affairs and also set national policy. But what happened is during this time, everyone kind of became their own authority and acted on their own opinions of right and wrong with horrendous results. Gosh, that scenario sounds kind of familiar. The book of Ruth, like the book of Esther, which is one of my podcast series on studentofthebible.com, reminds us how God is involved in the day-to-day hardships of our lives. Also, God's name is hardly mentioned. In fact, in the book of Ruth, the narrator never mentions God's name, and our characters only mention the name of God a few times. You're going to see that just like in the story of Esther, God is involved in every aspect of our lives, and even in the ordinary, mundane, everyday decisions that we make. And we will learn that our decisions are woven together into God's grand story. There's great interplay between God's purpose and human decisions. Remember that. The book of Ruth starts with this woman named Naomi, and she is a Hebrew. She along with her husband and her two grown sons, leave their hometown of Bethlehem to escape a famine. Ironically, Bethlehem literally means the house of bread. And yet, even in the house of bread, there was a famine. So the family settles in Moab, which is modern-day Jordan. This land is east of the Dead Sea, and is not friendly to Israel. And you can see a map of where Moab is located on my website, studentofthebible.com. 
the famine must have been pretty bad for Naomi and her husband and her sons to move to a place that was hostile towards Jews. The Bible tells us that Naomi and her husband and sons live in Moab for about 10 years. But while living there, Naomi's husband and her two sons who got married die, leaving Naomi heartbroken and with two grieving Moabite daughter-in-laws. When Naomi hears that Bethlehem is once again flush with food, in other words, the famine is over, she decides to return home to Bethlehem. Now, in order to leave Moab and return to Bethlehem, this is a rigorous seven to 10 day trek across the desert. I live in Arizona, and honestly, there are some days that a walk across the hot parking lot to our car seems impossible. So imagine elderly Naomi thinking about making a seven to 10 day hike across the desert. Naomi must make this hike without companions or male protection. There's not going to be this huge caravan of people making the trip. The story of Ruth tells us that Naomi encourages her two widowed daughter-in-laws to stay behind, basically so that they can find new husbands. Because remember that her daughter-in-laws are Moabite women and presumably still young and of marrying age. Being a widow in the ancient world was a dire situation and therefore widows were guaranteed almost certain poverty. Naomi believes that her daughter-in-laws will most likely be able to find new husbands if they stay in the land that they're from. But remember, Naomi, she's from Israel, so she has no relatives in Moab. The only solution for her is to return to the land of her people and hope she can locate a relative who can take care of her. But she has been away for 10 years, so she has no guarantee that any of her family is still alive in Israel, but she has to take that chance. There's been a famine, so her family probably scattered throughout the region, and without Facebook or cell phones, finding your family back then is not an easy task. One of Naomi's daughter-in-laws named Ruth stubbornly refuses to let Naomi travel across the desert to Bethlehem without her. Let's take a look at this Bible story. Again, remember, it's found in the Old Testament right after the book of Judges. Ruth, chapter 1. Let's start at verse 8 through 14. Then Naomi said to her two daughter-in-laws, Go back, each of you, to your mother's home. May the Lord show you kindness as you have shown kindness to your dead husbands and to me. May the Lord grant that each of you will find rest in the home of another husband. Then she kissed them goodbye, and they wept aloud and said to her, We'll go back with you to your people. But Naomi said, Return home, my daughters. Why would you come with me? Am I going to have any more sons who could become your husbands? Return home, my daughters. I'm too old to have another husband. Even if I thought there was still hope for me, even if I had a husband right now and then gave birth to sons, would you wait until they grew up? 
would you remain unmarried for them? No, my daughters, it is more bitter for me than for you, because the Lord's hand has turned against me. At this, they wept aloud again. Then Orpah kissed her mother-in-law goodbye, but Ruth clung to her, unquote. We learn Naomi doesn't have any other sons for these girls to marry. She also is too old to have more children. So she lovingly encourages her daughter-in-laws to leave her and go back to their families. Orpah, one of the daughter-in-laws, agrees to return to her family. But Ruth is willing to give up the possibility of security and children in order to care for her mother-in-law, Naomi. Let's look again at Ruth chapter 1, starting at verse 16. But Ruth replied, Don't urge me to leave you or turn back from you. Where you go, I will go. And where you stay, I will stay. Your people will be my people and your God, my God. Where you die, I will die, and there I will be buried. May the Lord deal with me, be it ever so severely, if even death separates you and me. When Naomi realized that Ruth was determined to go with her, she stopped urging her. Unquote. The Bible doesn't tell us why Ruth chooses to stay with Naomi rather than to return to her own family. Perhaps she recognizes how difficult life is for poor widows and she doesn't want Naomi to endure the hardship alone. Or maybe she just doesn't like her real family. What we do know is that Ruth feels deep affection for Naomi. Listen to how beautiful this is. Where you go, I will go. And where you stay, I will stay. Your people will be my people. And your God, my God. Where you die, I will die. And there I will be buried. May the Lord deal with me, be it ever so severely, if even death separates you and me. Maybe that should be part of marriage vows. Now, imagine yourself as young Ruth. You've lost your husband and now your heart aches at the thought of losing your last connection to him, which is his mother. It's an option you're not willing to even consider. So you pack your overnight bag, you've got your water bottle, and you set off to see what unfolds with your mother-in-law, Naomi, in tow. Only this time, you're going to be the foreigner. You start to wonder how I'm going to feed and clothe myself. Where will I find shelter? A new husband doesn't seem likely. I'm a Moabite. When Naomi dies, I'll be all alone. But Ruth goes, despite the uncertainty of her future. I really love this quote by the author Josh McDowell. When he talks about Ruth, he says, quote, Perhaps Ruth turns her back on all that is familiar to her because she realizes we must courageously step out of the boat onto the dark, choppy waters to experience the bigger life God has for us. 
our adventure often awaits beyond our comfort zone, unquote. That Bible truth might actually be one of the keys to understanding the beauty of the story of Ruth. Our adventure often waits beyond our comfort zone. In other words, God's got this. As the author Joy Burgess writes in an article on Ruth, quote, Ruth's story is ordinary. Perhaps that's what makes it so compelling. She doesn't come from a famous family and she doesn't have great riches or great position. Ruth is just a widow, one from an enemy nation at that. Nothing is going in her favor, but she's brave and her faith never wavers. And yet, the life of a foreign widow who has nothing becomes so important, it's included in the Bible, and her name is recognized in the lineage of Jesus, unquote. God loves to use nobodies to create history. Have you ever noticed that? Let's take a look at what happens next in our story. We know Ruth has just said that she is going to cross the desert with Naomi and that Naomi's God will become Ruth's God. This again speaks to what a positive role model her mother-in-law must have been, that Ruth wants to follow the God that Naomi follows. Ruth definitely sees something in Naomi's faith that she wants to have in her own life. Do we live our life in a way that demonstrates to others God's goodness and faithfulness so much so that others want to follow him? Let's look at Ruth chapter 1, starting at verse 19 through 22. So the two women went on until they came to Bethlehem. When they arrived in Bethlehem, the whole town was stirred because of them. And the women exclaimed, Can this be Naomi? Don't call me Naomi, she told them. Call me Mara, because the Almighty has made my life bitter. I went away full, but the Lord has brought me back empty. Why call me Naomi? The Lord has afflicted me. The Almighty has brought misfortune upon me. So Naomi returned from Moab, accompanied by Ruth the Moabite, her daughter-in-law, arriving in Bethlehem as the barley harvest was beginning, unquote. What have we just learned? Naomi has experienced extreme hardship, hasn't she? She lost her husband and her two sons, her only sons. By changing her name from Naomi, which means pleasant, to Mara, which in Hebrew meant bitter, Naomi's expressing bitterness and pain. Names were very important in the Bible and often expressed a change in character. Women would often name their children based on what they were feeling during pregnancy or at the birth of their child. And I think it's a really good idea we don't do that anymore because there would be a whole lot of kids born with names you can't say in public. Just saying. God also changed people's names in the Bible when they experienced a change in character or spiritual growth. Recall Saul to Paul, Abram to Abraham, Sarah to Sarah, Jacob 
to Israel, etc. We shouldn't judge Naomi too harshly with the fact that she changed her name to reflect what, in her mind, was a dire situation. She's only human. And honestly, it's events like this that help me to confirm the validity of scripture. Yes, Naomi seems to have been focused on self-pity and she seems to have lost sight of the tremendous blessing of having her daughter-in-law, Ruth, with her and the fact that Naomi serves an awesome God. But instead of feeling disappointment in Naomi's reaction, it's a good reminder to us that when we face adversity, we should bring it to God. He can take it. He can take our prayers of fear and disappointment and bitterness. But let's also remember to look around us to the resources God has given us in times of crisis. Family, friends, love, strength, and support that they can provide. One of the important things to note when studying scripture is the care and detail to every word and phrase. No detail is superfluous. We just learned that Naomi and Ruth have returned to Bethlehem. Well, here's a bit of foreshadowing. King David will eventually be born in Bethlehem. 1 Samuel 16 verse 1. As predicted by the prophet Micah in Micah chapter 5 verse 2, the Messiah Jesus Christ will be born in Bethlehem. We will see as we continue our study that this move to Bethlehem was not just a random coincidence, but will lead to the fulfillment of scripture. If you listened to my Esther podcast series, you know that there are no coincidences in the way that we think of that word, happenstance, luck. As a matter of fact, the word coincidence is only used once in the Bible. (laughs) I'll give you a prize if you know when. The word coincidence was used in the New Testament by Jesus himself when he was teaching the parable of the Good Samaritan. The story is found in Luke chapter 10. And in verse 31, Jesus said, And by a coincidence, a certain priest was going down in that way, and having seen him, he passed over on the opposite side. Now, the word is translated from the Greek word synchirion, which is a combination of two words, syn, S-Y-N, and kurios, K-U-R-I-O-S. Syn means together with. Curios means supreme in authority. So a biblical definition of coincidence becomes what occurs together by God's providential arrangement of circumstances. We just read that Naomi and Ruth have arrived in Bethlehem during the barley harvest. Did you catch that? Again, not a coincidence unless we understand coincidence means what occurs together by God's providential arrangement of circumstances. Israel's climate is pretty moderate, so they have two harvests 
every year, one in the spring and one in the fall. Naomi and Ruth have arrived in Bethlehem during the spring harvest, which is in April. Barley is used to make bread. And Bethlehem is a huge farming community during this time. We're going to learn the significance of God's divine providence that they arrived in Bethlehem during the barley harvest time. Things are not always what they appear to be. We need to remember that God sees things not as we see them. Because God is always at work. He will do what he says he will do. Be careful not to jump to conclusions. Being a widow in 1060 BC, your future would look pretty bleak. But remember in life, we cannot know the end of the story before the end of the story comes. There's always more to the story. And that is for God's glory. And that is for our good. Let's finish off our lesson today by looking at Ruth chapter 2. Verses 1 and 2. Now, Naomi had a relative on her husband's side, a man of standing from the clan of Elimelech, whose name was Boaz. And Ruth, the Moabite, said to Naomi, Let me go to the fields and pick up the leftover grain behind anyone in whose eyes I find favor. Naomi said to her, Go ahead, my daughter. Unquote. When wheat or barley were ready to be harvested, there were people called reapers who would be hired to cut down the stalks and then tie them into bundles. Israelite law required that the corners of the fields not be harvested so that the poor and the widows could pick it up. This was called gleaning. G-L-E-A-N-I-N-G, gleaning. And this then would provide food for the poor and also to make sure the owners weren't hoarding food. Honestly, this is an ancient welfare system to ensure that the poor would have means to feed themselves. And we first hear about this law way back in Leviticus. I'm sure you've read that book time and again, but just in case you haven't, Leviticus chapter 19 verses 9 through 10 says, When you reap the harvest of your land, do not reap to the very edges of your field or gather the gleanings of your harvest. Do not go over your vineyard a second time. Or pick up the grapes that have fallen. Leave them for the poor and the foreigner. I am the Lord your God. Unquote. Consider Ruth. Rather than depending on her mother-in-law to feed her and take care of her, Ruth shows initiative by working in the fields to glean the grain. Here's a Bible truth. If you're waiting for God to provide for you, (laughs) he may be waiting for you to take the first step to demonstrate just how important your need is. Gleaning barley was probably dirty, hot 
backbreaking work. But Ruth does it faithfully. And yeah, this task may not have been up to Ruth's true potential, but she performs this task faithfully so that she can provide for herself and her mother-in-law. During our next podcast, we'll learn the significance of the barley harvest and how this perfect timing will play into God's plan for Ruth and Naomi's life going forward. Remember coincidences, what occurs together by God's providential arrangement of circumstances. I love this. As a matter of fact, I now have it on my bulletin board. So I always remember God is always working. Look around for those supposed coincidences this week and see if you can see God at work. Have a blessed day. Thank you so much for listening to studentofthebible.com. If you liked what you heard, why not suggest this website to others and like me on Facebook, Student of the Bible. Have a blessed day and look for opportunities to be a blessing to others.